Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, give me some love for some Colby Plus buttery neoprene. Hey, I tell you what, the water's chilly down here in San Diego. The Torrey Pines buoy had 59.2 degrees. And for me, that means one thing and one thing only. That means my Colby Plus wetsuit with the buttery Yamamoto rubber. And boy, oh boy, uh, is that suit warm. And I absolutely love it, man. It's toasty and it's got the... um, the warmth that, of course, is crucial for a guy who needs the the blood flow in his system to be functioning. Totally. Light and flexible, too. You think warmth means thick. It's actually light. It's flexible. It has a proprietary jersey, um, which feels like silk, but it's that Yamamoto. There's different types of Yamamoto. This is 100% Yamamoto, number 39 and number 40, which... If you want to dig into it, uh, go ahead. But that is quality. Liquid seam support in the lower and mid body. So that reduces any leakage. And then um, also just increases the flexibility. So there's a real generous opening compared to previous wetsuits that I've had. I think that was just a design, a redesign for them with these suits. But it's very generous to get in and out of. You don't feel like you're in a straight jacket trying to take the thing off. One year warranty, no questions asked, free returns and exchanges on colbyplus.com, free repairs for the life of the suit, and then free recycling once it's outlived its uh, usable life. So pretty incredible stuff for Colby Plus. And then realwatersports.com, of course, is well stocked with 350 new boards as of last week, actually. That might be lower than 350 new boards now. They probably sold some since then. Dudes, realwatersports.com. Come on. Are you kidding me? I mean, they've got, I don't know the exact number. How many boards do they have in stock? 350, 450, 550? No, no. 1,500, but 350 oh. new dropped last week. 350 new boards, 1,500 total surfboards. I get so caught up in that website. I don't know about you, but I end up spending hours Flaming through all sorts of killer boards and foils. And I mean, it's just, it's like hard goods heaven. The other thing that they do really well is uh, review, surfboard review videos. They've got Brett Barley on the team. So he's test writing all of those boards, putting them through their paces. And then they do um, review videos and they update them pretty regularly too. So there's always something new to check out on their YouTube channel or on realwatersports.com. They've got experts for surfboards, Height stuff, foil stuff, everything. 
Heck to the yes, realwatersports.com. Just go there and geek out on all the killer surfboards. It's a no-brainer. What are you drinking? I've got myself some green tea right here, Moroccan mint with green tea. Wow, it looks warm. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, got. Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. We were having some problems. And you know what? That's really all life is. It's a series of problems that we must address, right? One after another. You know who said that, David? The Dowager on, on um, what was that great show with the English aristocracy TV show? I am not tracking at all. You mean you're not listening? You're not hearing? I'm listening. I'm not tracking the conversation. I don't know. Oh, the Dowager. I don't know what that saying is. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what show you're talking about. Downton Abbey, maybe? (laughs) Yes, Downton Abbey. The old lady Dowager. She used to say, darling, that's all life is, is a series of problems. Is she a pessimist? No, I think she said it optimistically. Like, look, things are good. That's what, you know, she was telling a younger soul, look. Life happens. That's what we're doing. We're just hurtling over different problems. Another problem occurs. For instance, I had an audio problem while we were recording earlier. If I faced it, I dealt with it. I moved on. I got over the hurdle. And what's next? Um, Sounds like I've got a frog in my throat. I'm just going (laughs) to deal with various problems and move through the day and be grateful. Be grateful that uh, the the process occurs. It's interesting how that one saying could be interpreted in a number of different ways. Um, But I'll tell you one thing that we don't have a problem with, and that is surf news this week. This is a fantastic week to be a surf podcaster, let me tell you. (laughs) Oh, my God. There's no doubt about it. Where do we start? Well, let me tease the audience a little bit. We've got Felipe talk. That continues. We've got... um, a most incredible groundbreaking, dare I say it sounds cliche, but another groundbreaking day of women surfing a pipeline. Uh, we've got Survival League. Holy crap. And uh, did you know that there's a new, well, there it's potential to be a new official state gesture in Hawaii? Hmm. Nope, that's news to me. Did not know that. And we've also got the new uh, episode of Stab in the Dark. This is right. Episode two. Let me but start I, here, though. Last year, we last week, we talked about Twinsers and somebody sent me an email and he said, hey, you forgot to talk about Lermo. You were talking about San Diego Twinser icons. And he's right. I was remiss and absent minded not to mention the great Lermo, Larry Mabel, when discussing Twinsers. And of course, I've written quite a few incredible Lermo Twinsers and uh, his Twinser knowledge base straight from the man, Will Jobson. So, uh, uh, apologies to Lermo and the rest of the crew for not, uh, you know, and apologies to name. apologies to Will Jobson. That's the first time we mentioned Will Jobson's name. In no, no, I've mentioned Will Jobson. Will Jobson's my go-to every time yeah, I think about Twinser. Twinsers, Will Jobson. He's made okay. me a Twinser. Okay, I don't remember you saying his name last week. No. I mean, it's come up on the podcast in the past. I just maybe I just was uh, focusing on my notes when you were talking or something last week and I missed it. Yeah. 
which happens all the time. Um, anyways, how's that AG1? How's that drinkag1.com slash surf that you're slugging right now? I'm pretty hungry. I'm like, I need an AG1 to get me through this pod. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I don't know that they advertise this. I don't know if this is approved ad copy or not. They do talk <laughs> about the immune boosting effects of AG1. And what I was going to say is that my son has been sick for a number of weeks, deep raspy cough straight into my face coughing straight into my eyeballs at times i have not gotten sick yeah does he have that rsp thing that's going around no he doesn't but it's it's he's got a legitimate cold he's at it for a while and i have not gotten it and all i know is i drink ag1.com slash surf and he does not and so there's a possibility that that is my protection layer between the cough that he is ingesting into my eyeballs or injecting into my eyeballs and uh, that's my that's my barrier. All right. Well, you know, AG1, it, it supports foundational needs for my entire body. As you know, I have some tummy issues. I get a little sour tummy occasionally. Um, and there's actually a, a diagnosis, which I'm not going to tell people to just respect my HIPAA deal. But um, AG1 provides comprehensive brain, which everyone knows that I've got a problem there. Gut and immune system support. So uh, I'm a big fan of the AG1 and it's so simple, right? Yeah, I mean, boom. That's a thing, it's part of our daily life. But yeah, go to drinkag1.com slash surf is where it supports us. I always say go on there and like investigate on your own. I'm no expert, but go on there, read what the experts say, assess it on your own, but make sure you use the slash surf because that, that supports us. Drinkag1.com slash surf. Anyways, glad to see you drinking it. Um, as far as the news stories that we have to tick through, I think we should go in reverse chronological. Let's go with the newest story first, which would have been Felipe yesterday. You cool with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Felipe withdraws from the 2024 WCT tour, citing mental health issues. So um, yesterday, literally 24 hours ago, major news, I would say. Um, this comes after, of course, their two the WSL's two most visible uh, female surfers, Carissa Moore one week, and then the very following week, Steph Gilmore. Now within one month's time, their two-time reigning men's champion, Felipe Toledo, also elects to stop competing for this season, at least he said this season. So I'm gonna to read to you how he released this information on Instagram. He said, quote, it is with heavy heart that I announced today that I am withdrawing for the remainder of the 2024 championship tour season. This decision has been so hard for me to make and it comes after days of discussion with those closest to me. The WSL has been very supportive and I'm very grateful that they have granted me the wild card for the start of 2025 season. I am committed to coming back better than ever. In the past, I have been honest about some of my challenges, not only with injuries, but also with mental health. Competing at the highest level for the past decade has taken a toll on me, and I need a break to recover for the next chapter of my career. The platform of the CT has given me everything. It is a dream life and has allowed me to support my family in ways that I could not have imagined and I have incredible experiences. I love this. I live for this. I have so much respect for my fellow competitors, both the men and the women on tour. You guys are amazing. I have so much passion for the sport, but I need to take some time off to fully recover so I can come back stronger than ever. I appreciate the support and loyalty of my family, friends, sponsors, and the WSL. I hope my fans uh, stick around 
for the uh, or I hope my fans around the world understand this decision and will stick with me when I return to the tour next season. I wish my fellow competitors a great CT season ahead. I will be watching heart emoji. Yeah, so um, wow, there's a lot there, right? There's a lot to take in. Um, let me just say this, that from a producer's point of view at NBC covering the Olympics, this is a dream scenario. If you're a producer, you're just going, oh, my God, I've got a two-time defending world champion who is removing himself from competition on his tour, his championship tour, due to mental health issues. But he says he's going to surf in the Olympics and is going to use Tahi Drolet as an understudy for, I don't know, two months leading up to it. I mean, this is a story. This is like a fairy tale, fairy tale story for a producer. Like this is epic. And it really puts for me as a surf fan, it puts a huge a, an even larger, I guess I should say spotlight on the Olympics at Chopu because, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the producers tease out the backstory that you and I and the rest of the surf world all know, which is that, um, you know, he's he's admitted that he's had issues uh, surfing the treacherous wave in Tahiti known as Teopu. So um, that's my first take is that it's it's going to be a fascinating summer leading up to the Olympics. That so where did he state that he's enlisting Matahi Drale? I thought I saw that. Well, I saw it somewhere. I didn't make it up. Um, I didn't see it on his Instagram, obviously, because I just read his Instagram. So maybe one of the news outlets reporting on the Instagram knew that information. Yeah, I think okay. it was Surfer Magazine. Okay. Where I read it, surfermag.com or surfer.com. So, I guess I'm glad to hear that, actually. And I was unaware of that. Um, I was wondering, you know, ultimately I was anticipating him announcing an injury leading up to Chopu and then him not competing there, depending on what the forecast was doing. But I'm interested to see that he's actually doubling down and investing in that. And so, um, and it sounds like that's what Carissa Moore is going to be doing too. I mean, more time off tour gives them more time to focus on a very specific skill set. So I suppose that's good. My first thought when I saw this was actually, despite my criticisms of him leading up to the last or in the last couple of episodes. But my thought when I saw this was good for him. Uh, it's entirely unreasonable to think that people would compete at that level for a decade. He started at 17. He actually has a huge brood at this point. He has multiple kids. So he's 28 years old. So he's a young father by today's measure. Um, Focusing this much time traveling around the world and bringing his family with him, it is a ton to manage. Even if you were among the healthiest mentally, you know, fit and presumably he is, it would stress you out entirely. You know, it's just a tremendous amount to manage. So enjoy the year off, Felipe. Um, the timing also is such that you can take a year off at 28. Full, I mean, it let's if it was a physical injury you in fact would take extended time off to make sure that it's fully, fully recovered. And so you could take time off at 28 a year and still return in peak form and have another, you know, decade essentially on the long shot 
to compete at a very high level. So I think this is actually a very smart decision for Felipe. Yeah, look, it, it's, it's, um, you know, it's interesting. A, a lot of, I did a lot of reading of various chat rooms, um, commentary from the surf fans around the world. And there's, there's been, you know, a lot of people such as you and I that are like, okay, good. This is good. You know, this is actually really good. Um, I, I think I'm going to read a few of those because I think some of the commentary from the surf fans is, is, is enlightening. So let me, let me just read one real quick for you. This is not even worth commenting on regarding Toledo. No matter what we thought of him for the last week and before that, if he's talking about his mental health, we need to give him the respect and wish him well with that. He's also a father. Another, another angle of the story we need to acknowledge is the WSL itself. The CT tour under the governance of the WSL is down to its final days. Let's be honest. The question is, does the 24 season even make it to September and lowers? Sorry, but this is a notion that cannot be ignored anymore. And that comes from Keith Grace on the STAB website. Keith is a longtime listener of our podcast, by the way. And I, I edited some of his commentary to keep it well, slim here for this. I, I don't fully agree, or I certainly don't agree with that first sentence of his saying this isn't even worth commenting on. Um, I agree with his sentiment of if somebody's having mental health issues, then, you know, there's a boundary on what's appropriate to comment or, or not on that kind of aspect of it. Um, but it's certainly worth, you know, the current and two-time world champ withdrawing is worth commenting on. There's a lot to discuss there. Um, the other thing is he, as I read it, he said, Days of discussion, this comes after days of discussion with those closest to me, end quote. So this indicates that the conversation was specifically after the pipe debacle. You know, it's not as if um, there was a convert, maybe there was an internal conversation for him going on prior to that, but he's, it wasn't as if like, hey, we've been discussing this for the past year. I've been feeling really worn out. No, it's the last couple of days. This has now weighed heavily on me and we're discussing that. So I thought that was kind of interesting that it seems to be a little bit more of a, not a rash decision, but a sudden decision. Yeah. Another commentator said this and, um, and I want to bring it up because I think all sides of this discussion um, are valid. And somebody on the surfer magazine forum said this, all we really know is what Felipe said. He said he was feeling glum and he called up his coach and went surfing, and then he felt the healing powers of the ocean and felt better again. That's not depression. If anything, it minimizes what depression actually is. Your thoughts on that? I don't remember Felipe saying those things. I'm not sure where he read that. And also, I think that was in his on his Instagram, perhaps. That's I, what I mean, I read the entire Instagram to you, and it didn't yeah. say those things. I also never heard him mention depression. He mentions mental illness exactly. Vaguely. Yeah. So mental illness takes a lot of different shapes and a lot of different forms. He does not specify, nor should he, you know, I mean, he's entitled to his own privacy when it comes to anything health related. So it's kind of difficult to try to assess what he's experiencing. I mean, but I'll be perfectly honest. I just, from my own kind of uh, looking in, 
and tracking his career and everything else. The way that I kind of read this was um, he came off a huge win last year, you know, a pinnacle 10 years in and a pinnacle year. And I could see that he really enjoyed the time off. He had three months off and all of a sudden he's faced with getting back on the slog essentially. So he shows up in Hawaii. As we commented on the podcast here, everybody else was in Hawaii in the month leading up to it, surfing all the free surfs. Where was Felipe? We never saw him. So he shows up and all of a sudden pipe is big. It's the first event of the season. He's enjoyed the time off and maybe doesn't have the same super intense drive that he had to get those first two world titles. Now he's standing on the beach at big pipe and he's confronting or faced with his old foe, you know, the foe that has plagued him throughout the previous decade, which is big surf. And, but he doesn't have the same drive necessarily that he had to get those two first world titles. And so he paddles out, doesn't make his first heat and then realizes, man, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just going to withdraw from the second heat. No big deal. Like I'll regroup down the road. We'll figure it out. Then the cacophony online starts and it's like, what the hell? Like, what is all this negative energy? I thought I was just taking a heat off. Like, I don't know. And so that's where I think it felt maybe overwhelming for him. And that's where he says, over the last few days, we've had this discussion with those closest to me. I don't think this was a conversation prior. I think it was coming off of a huge win, enjoying some time off, and then boom, you're right back into the middle of it. And your biggest kind of foe, those big waves is right there and everybody's making fun of you. I, you know, I think that's where it feels where there is that mental vulnerability. Um, this is all speculation. You know, again, he didn't state what the actual issue was. And I understand in that moment why you would think, dude, is any of this worth it? I, I don't know, but I'm not going to figure it out before sunset. I think what the right thing to do here would be spend some time with my family, spend some time off. Maybe there is a diagnosis that needs to be found. Maybe I need to go spend some time with a therapist to figure out what that is but I think I need time off and I'm 28 years old and I can afford some time off right now. And everybody's supportive of me. You know, that's to me, that's how it read. Yeah. I think that's pretty clear. I mean, I think that's a good summation. I think there's some assumptions that you're making there, but I think those are valid. Um, I'll read one more, which I think is, is poignant. Simple fact Toledo won two world titles with the canvas and the format that was placed in front of him of which he had nothing to do with the structure or the format calls. Now, most agree the hefty surf should be in the WSL format, especially at the pointy end of the season. I just don't agree with him getting bullied. I think those who teed off on him should probably do a few laps internally and question what they are doing and why. It's poisonous and not to productive to anyone, just painful. And that was from Clinch uh, Trimmer on Stab. And I like what he said, but I, 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 there's this, we have to tease apart just stating fact what we all saw and and making constructive fan-based performance criticism like we would do and have done and continue to do on all surfers in that format and being bullied, which I think is wrong, right? Like just being downright kind of rude and mean and spiteful because it makes you feel better on the other end of the keyboard. Um, So well, that's just one little thing I would tease apart from what he said, but um, very important, very important yeah. distinction. I agree with you. Like as people are just saying, no conversation can be had about mental health. I don't think that's true. The flip mm -hmm. side of that is you guys shouldn't be bullying at all. 
that's not all bullying. You know what I mean? There's tons of gray area between being able to have thoughtful, critical analysis that is actually insight informative for anybody else who's going through something similar that's not bullying. And it's also okay to discuss aspects of mental health to make it, to bring it out into the light, you know, and make it non-stigmatized. Well, I'll read one final one and you tell me what you think, which I think is kind of interesting. Speaking to the bullying versus the, um, you know, fan critique, stating the obvious is not hate or bullying. And Felipe Toledo's results at Pipe do show a 1.77 total is obviously bad, especially with the performance that went down on the women's side. And Katie Simmer's comments probably pushed this decision into reality. He trained and performed for an era of the WSL that favors and includes lame, small to mid-sized performance wave, and that in turn favors a strong aerial game. Don't diss those of us who have instead been vocal about wanting the best waves and the best surfers. Instead, for the past decade, uh, for example, challenging waves of all kinds, many at remote reefs or beaches, not with crowds of people on the beach at Rio or Trestles or whatever. Also, don't hate on us for saying that Toledo, with his UFC tattoos, is not in the best surfers, best waves arena. And don't assume we haven't surfed heavy waves ourselves. From this perspective, he's not a world champ. He's a certain kind of wave champ. I hope his decision leads to happiness. And that comes from MIK. I sort of butchered a little bit of that because um, I just took it for verbatim reading it here off of the website. And it's a little uh, broken up. But what are your thoughts on... Um, did... His decision, do you think, again, we're just assuming a lot here, was his decision based on what he saw unfolding before his eyes in the women's division? Because I, I got to admit, when I was watching the women, I was thinking about Felipe. I was. I was going, this cannot look good for Felipe Toledo. I even sent you a text. I'm like, yeah. dude, this can't be, this has got to look, this even makes it worse. Yeah. I think that there absolutely could be a not just the women's side, it's the men's side too. You know, when you watch Baron Mamiya's comfort out there or surfers who don't hold a candle to Felipe in a lot of other conditions, when you see them facing their fears and overcoming them, how could they're not? If you're an active fan and an active athlete watching all of your competitors and you, you see them absolutely besting you in these certain conditions, and it's the pinnacle of the sport, by the way, Hawaii is Mecca. How could you not be rattled by that, you know? Yeah. And that's that's where the mental health aspect thing does ring really true to me. When you combine that with we've started having these conversations or we've had these conversations in the last couple of days, meaning since the pipe debacle, plus with the women charging out there, plus with, you know, all that, then it, it does feel like, again, a mental, I don't know, again, can't diagnose it, but a certain mental vulnerability that is like, oh, shoot, I need a reset. And it's going to take me more than between now and sunset to reset. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we brought up Michael Jordan, I think last time or the time before that, maybe last time. But, um, you know, Michael Jordan took a reset. Um, Gabe Medina's taken a reset. Kelly Slater's taken a reset. It's reasonable. It's totally reasonable. And um, I know that, you know, most empathetic humans on this planet 
um, wish him only the best and and you can count me amongst them. Um, and, and one of the things I was talking to a guy in the water today about it and believe me, the Felipe decision, it's big news in the water. Like everyone's talking about it, like, oh man. And, and we were talking about Felipe surfing and it, and he brought home a really important point to me, which was think about Felipe Toledo at J Bay at six to eight foot J Bay. He's kind of untouchable. Yeah. He is incredible. I mean, he's doing, you know, eight, 10 foot, 15 foot airs in transition, super smooth, and then going into another one. Like he's an incredible, he's almost untouchable in, in certain types of conditions. I mean, if you're a competitor and you, you draw him in basically any competition other than, you know, a couple, you're bummed, you know, because your back's against the wall just when you see uh, his name next to yours. Well, while there is a lot of polarity and intense opinions about him in everything that we discussed leading up to this, I've only seen one opinion about him taking the year off and it's in support of him. I haven't seen anybody, even the, those who are most critical about him not going at pipe, even those people say, good for him, take a year off. And that's how exactly how I felt when I saw it. That's how you felt. So it's a totally reasonable decision. And uh, yeah, I think we're all in supportive of it. There's no confusion there. And he spent it, like I said, he spent a decade already doing this. It's insane. Yeah. Like for Kelly to be doing it as long as he has is such a wild card anomaly. Like that's not normal. You know, it's normal. <laughs> It's normal to want to take the time off. But here's what's interesting. I pointed the finger, and a couple of those comments did too, when we started uh, at the WSL, or like I compared Carissa Moore, I, you know, the WSL kind of did her dirty. Stephanie Gilmore, maybe you can make that argument with. Felipe Toledo, on the other hand, has been a benefactor of the WSL's shifts. And so I don't think that this is related to their restructured tour format or anything like that. This is entirely separate from that. But the funny thing was, I I mentioned to Lauren when this news broke yesterday, Lauren doesn't care about surfing, but she hears enough of it through me. And uh, I was like, man, WSL's blowing it. Can you believe it? Like Carissa Moore, then Steph, then Felipe. And I DM'd her the Instagram post. She read it and then she looked at me, she's like, he didn't say anything about, he loves the WSL. This is just about him wanting to spend time with his family. And I was like, shoot, you're right. This isn't the, I mean, un, it's unfortunate for the WSL. Put the because, spotlight on you. She just like flipped it, put the spotlight right on you. Exactly. And, but it's very unfortunate for the WSL at this point. You know what I mean? Like it's a nightmare for them. They're well, two highest profile females and now they're number one male have all yeah. simply opted out. It's not like, Hey, they got a better paying job elsewhere. So, like they just opted out. That's a yeah. problem. Yeah. That's, that'll be interesting to see how there's a lot of doomsayers that I mentioned some of them in, in these comments that I read and I, you know, like the WSL is going to go on. It's not going to fold up because of this, but I do find, I don't know about how you feel as a fan, because I like to talk about these things from a fan's perspective, but the final five to me, I have a, like, I'm more interested in it now than I was I like all me of a sudden too. I'm like, Oh, okay. So we could actually have, you know, it could be interesting. It could shake out in a very interesting fashion. Yeah. I mean, Ethan Ewing would have been the champ essentially if you took Felipe out of the equation last year, but we can discuss that more. I'm just curious though. Um, as it relates to the WSL, 
what is their retention plan for their employees and their athletes at this point? And if they <laughs> don't have one, there needs to be. Because we started out with the Chris Moore conversation. We had been leading up to that by um, suggesting that something might happen where their top level athletes leave. Now within mo one month, three of their top highest level athletes have left. I don't know when you can officially call it a mass exodus. I think you need more than three, but number one, we can make speculation on who is next. And number two, if the WSL isn't formulating a plan to mitigate against that, that's they're just sleeping on the job at this point. You know what I mean? Because you cannot not pay attention to this. Okay. I think that, that you're going into an area of, of hyperbole. I, first of all, there is no labor shortage. There are so many young 20 year olds. One of them lives next door to me that wants to surf on the WCT. Now, I'm not saying for you and me as fans, that's what we want to see, but I'm saying they'll be able to run the tour. Like if people did, if there was a mass exodus, which is like, what does that even mean? Like 10 guys? There's too much money. We've already seen John John on film during the Lexus Pipe Pro saying he's focused as hell to win the world title this year. Gabe Medina, to me, looks focused. I think Idolo, I think all of these guys, this is what they want to do, man. They Kanoa Igarashi, like the top 15 guys want to win the world title. Like, which one of those guys do you think is just bailing? Just like, yeah, I'm done. Which one of the guys? Do you, you tell me the first guy you think is going to just go, nah, I'm over it. Um, not and explain it. So I don't think they'd say necessarily I'm done entirely, but I could see them taking a year off. Like this year? Why take this year well, off? This year, year that's the, the other thing. The number one's out. Is now is an opportunity. On. Now is an opportunity to seize, certainly for uh Jack Robinson, Ethan Ewing, John John Florence. Gabriel Medina and Idolo are in 17th right now. Equals 17th. Kelly Slater seems like a logical one to leave. I could easily see him walking away. Yeah, He's not but, going for a world title. But anyways. is Kelly Slater leaving an exodus? He's 52 years old or something. He just he just had a birthday. I think he's 52. Him leaving so, isn't a mass exodus, nor is it a surprise. Like actually, I mean, I think I wrote in 2006 when he got his third or one of those, whenever he got his, um, I don't know if it was his 10th or whatever it was. My point is a long time ago, I was like, I think he's going to retire this year. <laughs> yeah. 20 years ago. Um, By the way, speaking of his birthday, Felipe dropped this news on Kelly's birthday and the day after the best day in women's surfing, which is a baller move. That's the Kelly Slater move right there. <laughs> is to, And now we're talking about it. Now we're opening the show because honestly, the best day in women's surfing was the show opener by a, you know, the best show opener we've had in a long time. Yeah. And, and, and I do. Trump I, it. Well, the thing is, I think they're connected, right? I think the best day in women's surfing ever is connected to Felipe. I personally believe that, but maybe not. Yeah. Maybe that's just me assuming things, but well, I, you know, what we saw, I mean, we can't, you and I can't be the only two surf fans going, wow, these girls are really showing up Felipe. No, we aren't. A lot of the commentary online was exactly that, in fact. But um, the WSL still, I'm going to stick by, needs to have a plan in place for if those major changes happen. If, you know, what's the plan? Give me your plan. Let's say, the, let's say 10, let's say five people drop off that are in the top 20. What's your plan? My plan uh -huh. is you fill those spots with super red hot Levi Slauson, all these young kids that are ready to 
to come up and, be, and, it'd be, and you and I as fans, I'd be pretty excited. I got to admit as much as I hate a big fat tour. If, if five guys bailed out and we filled it with, um, you know, one, like, or, I don't know who's the super hot Brazilian kid. There's Mateus like two. Hurdy? Yeah. Hey, Mateus and Levi Slauson. And, um, you know, you could name a few others that are right there trying to win the challenger series. Um, I mean, we'd be pretty excited. I think it'd be, it'd well, be interesting guess, to see those guys come up against Ethan Ewing. It's the perfect segue to discuss. That's exactly what's happening on the women's side. The void left by Carissa Moore and Stephanie Gilmore has been filled very, uh, you know, gratifyingly with Betty Lou Sakura Johnson, Molly Picklum, and Caitlin Simmers, who was my favorite surfer throughout the event. Caitlin was. Caitlin was. Caitlin was the story for me. I mean, watching Caitlin march through, I was like, God, she's such a badass. I mean, let's get into it, right? The storyline of the day was the women's, no doubt. Um, everybody's calling it the best day in women's surfing. The Betty Lou versus Molly Picklum heat was absolutely insane. Betty, I mean, it was blow for blow. Betty needed an eight, six, seven with very little time left. This wave starts stacking on the horizon and you look at it and you go, holy cow, she's going to have an opportunity here. Is she going to go? I mean, we've got, we've seen the women's events when they first started running them at a pipeline, they're out of position, you know, and they end up getting detonated by sets and stuff like that. And it's like, oh no, she's in position and oh my God, she's paddling. This thing's going to be a bomb. Then she makes the drop. She knifes into the barrel beautifully. Then she navigates the barrel. Then she gets blown out. You're just like, oh my gosh, all the pressure in an incredible heat, that much pressure. She steps up, hits it out of the park. We're waiting for the scores to be called on the sand. Unfortunately, it wasn't the eight, six, seven. It was like an eight, three something, but it was still just such an incredible moment, you know? And um, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it, it was fascinating. Um, what a show on finals day for sure. The women really stepped up to the plate. It, it was as if they were world champions. And one of them was Carolyn Marks. But the day belonged to three women in my mind. You mentioned them, Betty, Sakura Johnson, Molly Picklum, and the eventual Lexus Pi Pro champion, Katie Simmers. So these three women, uh, they, they roared loudly as if they were Simba in The Lion King. They showed guts and determination. It was more than impressive. It was groundbreaking. I know it's a bit cliche, David. Um, women at Pipeline the past few years, it seems like um, we've been using that term groundbreaking a lot. Um, but look, uh, these women get more and more comfortable out there. And the challenge for the women won't be on their forehand. What we're going to see here is more breakthrough performances on the backhand. Um, as we saw a couple of days ago from from Molly Picklum. Um, Molly, I, Molly's the I, real I, deal, dude. Oh, I am. See, you mentioned Caitlin. And the thing is, I knew about Caitlin Simmers. I didn't really know about Molly Picklum. Like to me, this was like a coming out party for Molly Picklum. I'm a new fan, you know? Um, well, Katie's a hometown girl. She's a San Diego girl. Like I'm all about it, but I had no idea about Molly Picklum. And, um, and I'm just, you know, she's got two new fans in the bass household, myself and my wife. So we're, we're all about, I was just, and what it just look, everybody I've talked to all my friends and I haven't even talked to them. I've been getting texts and just as I'm sure you have, Basically stating they people enjoyed the women's division this year more than the men's. Although 
you know, look, I guess part of it is that we know Barry Mamiya is incredible. Like, and and you can't deny what we saw, especially in his semifinal heat. But the women's division, I'm at this place now where it's like, for the first time ever, I can't wait for more events in championship caliber waves of consequence where real champions are created. And, um, you know, Sunset Beach, Cloud Break, Chopu, these are the things that we want to see. You know, the, look, the waves are the stars. And when we put the women in those waves, uh, we get what we got this week at Pipeline. Let me tell you why we kind of suck at our job is yeah. the fact that you don't know Molly Picklum up yeah. until now yeah. is showing that we're behind the curve. She's a pipe That's master. That's me. You you know she's about a pipe it. Ma- she's you a pipe know. master. You know about her. That's that's on me. I'm the one failing here. You're not failing. I'm failing. Well, look, she's a pipe master in 2022. She was the runner up this past year, December 2023. Yeah. She's so well rounded. I mean, if you put her in a you know contest as snapper, she's just as likely to win that as she is yeah. at pipe masters. Yeah. Now, but I agree with you. Uh, she, despite having those accolades. I wouldn't be able to pick her face out of a lineup. And also, if you just showed me her surfing with no stickers on her board or anything, I wouldn't necessarily have been able to identify her style. But here's what solidified her in my mind in this event was how gracious and articulate articulate she is in her post-heat interviews and all of it. Um, somebody, might have been AJ in a post-heat interview or something, somebody complimented her. Molly's response was, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Other women have been charging here for years and but without direct access that we've been given. So I'm grateful to be here and to have the chance to step up. And none of this would be possible without the women who made it happen for me. You know, and it wasn't a canned speech. It was just a very matter of fact thing of like, hey, I want to charge. I've been given the opportunity. I'm not going to squander this. Like, I'm going to bring my A game here. I loved it, you know? Yeah. I agree. Like I said, um, I am uh, a huge Molly Picklin fan here, and I think a lot of people are. And and yeah, look, I apologize. I didn't really, I mean, I knew the name, but like you, I mean, I, I was like, I think she's a regular foot. I don't know. But um, here's the thing that I think is fascinating is what we're going to see the women do on their backhand. Because as you know, especially the goofy footers at backdoor, which seems to obviously offer more scoring potential more often than not, especially later into the waiting period as the swell angle turns more northerly, the storms move off and we get more of the north angle and backdoor seems to light up a little bit more on the finals day for some reason. Not to say that there weren't great lefts and Molly got a great one and Carolyn Marks got some great ones, but I think, you know, Moana Jones Wong um, going backside is going to have to do some work. Um, I think that um, Carolyn Marks, she serves great on her backside, but it, Backdoor pipeline, it's a different beast. Yeah. Because what's going to happen is the regular foots are just going to start, which they did. Betty Lou, uh, is it Betty Lou? Betty Lou Sakura Johnson. And and um Molly and Katie, they've got the advantage right now because they've got that right hander on their forehand. So um it'll that's sort of the next step, I think, that we're looking to as fans is what are these girls going to do on their backside? Molly got a great, I think a 10 on on one of the lefts. She did. Um, but, you know, Brisa Hennessy didn't really look too comfortable going backside. She had a couple issues. And so uh, but she surfed great. But the point is, is that all of these women are going to need to up their backhand tube riding um, capabilities. Well, the story that everybody's leading with 
at the end of this event was Caitlin Simmers dropping an F-bomb in her post-heat interview with Strider in the water shortly after her win. You know, one minute, 30 seconds after her win, probably. Yeah. Strider says, you know, congratulations, Caitlin Simmers. How does it feel to take the win? And she says, uh, "Pipe." I just want to say pipelines for the effing girls. So she drops an F-bomb. And I almost teared up. And I saw, no joke, I heard it. Yeah, and yeah. coming off of the energy of the heat and yeah. hearing that kind of adolescent, raw, adolescent, sincere. raw, sincere, but without any, um, like, it felt like here's a personality in surfing again. You know, like I was talking, we've I, we've talked a lot in the past, but I was talking last week about Matt Biolis's team of lost surfboard riders back in the 90s, and they were just all personality. And uh, so much of the tour has been homogen, you know, homogenized yeah. um, with the interest of money in mind and protecting the sponsor's reputation and all that kind of stuff that everybody just gives canned responses. They have media training, you know, literally. And mm -hmm. so everything's just gotten so bland and the surfing's gotten pretty bland too, or certainly at least homogenized. And for Caitlin, I feel like her surfing reflects that badass approach People have commented that she's like a female Dane Reynolds with a certain explosiveness that you don't necessarily know what kind of a turn she's going to do. And so seeing that through the event and then seeing it applied in big waves and then seeing her deliver that verbally at the end, I'm like, this is somebody even said, I think in one of the comments section, surfing desperately needed an F-bomb. And I was like, yeah. it kind of did. The WSL needed it is what needed, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. I loved it. It was like a, sort of our Bobby Martinez moment, but for yeah. a good reason. You exactly. Know? Exactly. A Bobby Martinez moment without the like negativity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The exact opposite of what Bobby's was, was conveying. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, look, survival league. Here's the thing, David, the sunset, the Hurley pro at sunset, I think it's called Hurley sunset beach pro. It started today. Now the waiting mm -hmm. period, the waiting period started today. And so survival league wise, first of all, the Lexus pipe pro, I think wiped out 46% of the field. 56. I thought 56. Awesome. Right. Cause you and I are still surviving, right? I guess those that took John, John are still surviving. <laughs> uh, but we have to make our picks for sunset. Like mm -hmm. today, I actually haven't even received. I tried to make my pick yesterday and I couldn't make my pick. That's for, Sunset, for Sunset Beach. Yeah, I made I made mine yesterday. Try again. Refresh the site and try again. I will because I need to make my pick right now. Right. It's not too late, is it? So, no, it's not too late. You have up until the first buzzer, the first uh, horn blows. So. I'm sure you took Baron Mamiya. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And we all know that's sort of who you're going with. Great, dude! You you're following what I'm. You're picking up what I'm putting down more than I expect you to. I did 100 took Baron. Baron was already my potential pick before his pipe win. He looked so comfortable and dominant at pipe. I'm, you know, there's always a possibility for a sophomore it, sophomore exactly. Slump That's exactly right. But he's won Sunset in the past. I don't know. The thing is, like, like Sunset is a wild card, and so there's three people I would feel comfortable picking at sunset. 
John John Florence, Jack Robinson, and Baron Mamiya. Jack, I already used John John. Jack, I would like to use later in the year. Baron, I don't necessarily need to use later in the year, so I'm going to burn him right now at sunset. Okay, well, fair enough. You know, um, I'm going to go a different direction. Um, I'm not sure if I should tell you. Is it? Does it matter? It kind of matters. Well, look, I'm surprised you, you told me. I know. If you believe that people are going to be taking your advice and picking based on who you pick, then don't say it. I figure nobody, everybody knows not to take my pick because my track record in previous years has been so awful. So I don't mind saying it. Well, part of it is if I hear about somebody's pick, I kind of want to go the opposite direction in hopes that if your guy washes out, I'm staying involved. Just tell me. I'm dying to know. I'm taking um, Jack Robinson. Great pick. Great pick. So I agree with you. I'm all there. That would have been my pick, except I want to use him at Margaret River, potentially. All right. Fair enough. So get in your survival, uh, survival league picks. Now, let me tell you something. Forecast is spotty early on in the waiting period. But the last three days look solid and good. Next Sunday, the 18th of February, 10 to 15 feet with fair to average conditions, which is surfable at sunset. The next day, 8 to 12 feet, good conditions, a little bit better winds. Then the final day of the waiting period, Tuesday the 20th, 10 to 15 feet with good conditions. So those last three days look solid. Now, I think they need at least four to get both the men's and the women's in. Do you think that's true? Yes. So there is a chance for tomorrow or the next day to have run a few heats, get a few heats out of the way, which is dangerous from a survival league standpoint, because, you know, they're going to be running in four to five foot sunset point. Anything can happen. Your Baron Mamiya pick, my Jack Robinson pick, just, you know, lack of waves, lack of, you know, whatever. Uh, that could be a problem. Now, I would say in some regards, though, Baron Mamiya knows four foot sunset point better than half of those guys who are only training when it's eight to 10 feet. And all yeah. they think about is inside sunset bowl. So the sunset point reef might be different for them and they might not know how to judge that, but um, looks like they're going to have to run one day early on here just to get set up for next weekend, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, where we're going to have some solid surf. Well, the other reason why I'm comfortable with Baron is the amount of R&D that he and Britt Merrick had been doing. Uh, and Britt was there, you know, a month early on the North Shore with a full quiver, working with all of these guys and girls, really getting things dialed. And so I felt like we saw the results of that. And that was part of the conversation during the pipe event. And I do believe that Baron is equipped for whatever conditions Sunset throws at him in a way that very few other people are maybe John John's the only other guy who really is. And Jack could an argument could be made, but it's like, if you're riding a seven Oh and it's 10 to 15 feet, Baron's ready for that. If it's four feet and you need to figure out how to blow the fins out, he's fully prepared for that. Incredibly good at it and has boards dialed for that. So that's my matrix. Well, the good news is, as I'm looking now at the forecast again, they might run four days in a row, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. I think they could pull that off. Um, Saturday morning is going to be a little bit iffy and wonky, but that won't stop them from having to do what they have to do. Now, tomorrow, four to six feet tomorrow. 
you know, it starts off small and then it's supposed yeah. to pick up a little bit. Maybe they can get in tomorrow or maybe they can do a half day Wednesday. But I guess ideally, the good news is they're going to end when it's, you know, Monday for sure is going to be legit solid. Sunday, Monday, it's going to be a fun event. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty big. We talk about sustainability a lot in surfing and especially surfboard manufacturing, which is great, but we are all massive offenders and contributors to environmental toxicity daily in our homes in a way that is quickly and easily stoppable. So I want to direct your attention to Blue Land. We started using Blue Land in our home, and I'm embarrassed that I hadn't thought of implementing this sooner. Blue Land's mission is to reduce single-use plastics for all of the cleaning products in your home. So hand soap bottles, laundry detergent bottles, glass cleaner bottles. Under your sink, in your kitchen, and your bathroom, you probably have dozens of different plastic bottles that you will throw away and replace with another each of them single use and all having harsh chemicals that they use to do their cleaning jobs. Well, Blueland sends you reusable glass bottles for all of that stuff and tablets for each that you drop in and dissolve with water, which becomes your cleaning solution. So again, foaming hand soap, a multi-surface cleaner, a bathroom cleaner, glass and mirror cleaner, dishwashing detergent, laundry soap. They make everything you need for your home. And very importantly, the products work. They aren't toxic. They use environmentally responsible ingredients and they clean as well as the harsh chemical cleaners that we were using previously. And to top all of that off, it's way, way cheaper than the traditional products that we were using. They are powerfully effective, plastic-free, clean ingredients, and they save us money. And just in case you never paid attention to how pervasive plastics are in our life, I wanna give you two kind of shocking facts. Number one, plastics break down. So your water bottle, your food packaging, all of that is being contaminated by microplastics that are breaking down into your food and water and then you are ingesting it. So listen to this, it's estimated that we are eating a credit card's worth of microplastics every week. Shocking. And fact number two, scientists predict that by the year 2050, the ocean will contain more plastics by weight than fish. So we really need to stop our plastic usage. Blue Land is the solution for cleaning up your home. Blueland.com slash surf. We will save you 15% on your first order. It's revolutionary, refillable, home essentials, eliminating single-use plastics. We love the product. It's clean, effective, affordable, and easy. Blueland.com slash surf. For 15% off, blueland.com slash surf. Clean up your home and enjoy. Factormeals.com slash surf5050 will save you 50%. Our lives have been made infinitely easier, healthier, and more pleasurable this last month with Factor. Factor sends delicious, nutritionally-minded meals to your door that you simply heat and they are ready to eat. No prep, no cooking, no cleaning. We have 35 different meal options each week, and you can choose as few as six or as many as 18 per week. You can adjust, you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries anytime from week to week. So, you know, just from hearing me on the podcast that I care about food. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I cook, you know that we eat well, and I'm certainly conscientious about nutrition. 
Factor has filled a gap and created a solution in our life by providing ready-to-go meals. So for a busy day when you don't have time to make a lunch, Factor meals are ready in two minutes. Twice this past week, when I didn't have time to prep dinner for my two-year-old, and I also didn't want to give him frozen pizza or chicken nuggies once again, he actually shared and ate some of my Factor pasta with sun-dried tomato and pesto and goat cheese one night, part of my cilantro, lime, chicken, and rice another night. He loved it. And my wife, by the way, loves the convenience. This has saved her a couple of times this month during lunch when she came home starving and wasn't prepared. And beyond those things, I just love the quality of the food. They also have keto options, calorie smart options, vegan and veggie options. We personally do the chef's choice, which are restaurant quality, but nutritionally minded dishes. Again, it's not a meal kit. It's pre-prepared, ready to heat meals. Super simple, solves a problem for us. Oh, and we also get the wellness shots, which are delicious. It's a great bonus, great thing to have on hand on the go. We will get you two of those free wellness shots and 50% off your first box. Go to factormeals.com slash surf50. 50% off your first box, but you'll actually get those two wellness shots for free with every box while the subscription is active. Never be in a bind where you make a hasty, poor meal choice like fast food. Instead, eat delicious chef-crafted meals within two minutes by having Factor on hand in the fridge. Factormeals.com slash surf50. Enjoy. Rocketmoney.com slash surf. When I cut cable a few years ago, I slowly replaced it with a dozen streaming and subscription services. To be perfectly honest, I lost track of those expenses. Five bucks a month, seven bucks a month, it didn't seem worth tracking initially. That was until you multiply that number by 10. And then when my wife and I got married, we realized that we were both in the exact same position. We knew that there was probably three or so that we actually used weekly. We could quickly merge those onto one account, but it turned out that there were another dozen or so each that we were both paying for separately for years without either of us using. And this is precisely what Rocket Money is designed for. It's a modern tool that meticulously tracks the details that we easily get distracted from. Specifically, it's a finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. It gives you freedom by helping you see your subscriptions in a simple dashboard where everything is tallied in one spot. And where we found it most helpful was in its simplicity. Subscription services can make it intentionally difficult or time-consuming to cancel. Here, you can click on the cancel button in Rocket Money's app and it'll cancel the subscription for you. It simplifies everything. We even got a notification about Netflix's recent price increase before it even happened, just warning us that it was coming. So Rocket Money has over 5 million users. It's helped save members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com surf. Calm the clutter in your head. Simplify the tedium of your financial life. Find freedom through rocketmoney.com surf. 
When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I suppose that surfboard conversation leads us into Stab in the Dark with Chloe Andino. Yes, but quickly, let me tell you something, because I know if we don't get to this, we won't. Okay. But there's been new legislation that's been put forth uh, to make the shaka. I don't know. You, the local guys do the soft shaka. The kooks do the big shaka. The no spirit, loose. the spirit of aloha, is embodied in this particular gesture. Stated Senator Glenn Wakai. It just adds to the allure and mystique of Hawaii. The bill aims to share the pride of Hawaii by claiming the shaka, as the state officials believe Hawaii would be the first to have an official state gesture if this bill passes. It's one of the symbols that truly separates us from anywhere else across the world, stated Rep. Darius Kila. So looks like the shaka might become legislation. Um, look, it's important legislation. I'm glad that the uh, legislators in Hawaii are doing the hard work. I know. Important stuff, huh? Um do you ever throw the shaka? You know what I do, and every time I do, it's embarrassing. I, I get embarrassed. I, I do it sort of out of a of, out of a habit. It's an easy thing for your hand to go to. It's an easy move. It's much me easier than that. Like that, the bullhorn thing, the devil heavy metal thing is kind of it's way more difficult. Like that's an easy thing to do. The shaka is yeah. an easy move. Now, ideally. I, I I don't have any hand gesture. I don't deserve a hand gesture. I'm not sure what the, like the white Anglo hand gesture is of my culture. You know, I think it might be that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say but, a big thumbs up. But Scott yeah, I wish finger. I would just do the thumbs up. I got that's what that's what my culture. That's what I represent. Like that's me. It's very you know, it's homogenized and it's generic. But to do that feels really like I'm trying too hard. But sometimes it comes it comes out all the time. Actually, it's just comes out. Like I said, it's kind of easy. So in what scenario, when you're just passing somebody on the road and you want to acknowledge their existence, paddling out, you see somebody or when a camera comes out? Oh God, I hope it's not when a camera comes out. <laughs> I, I think, like I said, it's, it's almost like, oh yeah, time to wave. And instead of a wave, it turns into that, but it's, it just looks wrong. And uh, you know what? It's one of the things I'm working on. I claim progress, not perfection.
I will say, based on my statistical analysis, I have a spreadsheet that I keep on my computer. The looser the shaka, the harder the shredder. So <laughs> and and if it's palm facing forward, that's extra shred points too. But if you go tight shaka with a tremendous distance between the thumb and the pinky and it's back facing guaranteed kook status right there well i've seen some of the guys that do, that are worthy of throwing the shaka doing sort of a doing this one where they're oh, yeah. kind of like they're kind of hanging it low and they're kind of like like you can almost it's maybe barely even a shaka you know so it's still it's loose. not that it's down low like it's, they're carrying something. I'm going to verbalize it for those who aren't on YouTube watching this. Yeah, please. It's, yeah, you're right. Like you're carrying a bag basically, but only your two middle fingers are holding the bag. So it's upside down, palm facing inward toward yourself and loose grip, pinky out, thumb out, and your forefinger almost down too. Yeah, I've seen that. You're right. And I think that your analysis and your spreadsheet will show, this is really interesting, that the the harder and the more spread your shaka, it actually correlates to how big your smile is. This is a big smile shaka. Like as exactly. kooky as it is, that person's stoked. Whereas this one's more like, yeah, you know, a little bit grumpy, maybe half stoned, you know? Exactly. You don't want a fully erect shaka. <laughs> <laughs> the fully erect shaka with the fully full pearly white smile means you're riding a wave storm and you're going straight on whitewash. I hate to but tell you. But you're stoked. But the guy's stoked. The guy's happy. Like I'm down because it's a sincere stoke. So the loose shaka is you could have just got blown out of a tube, but you're too cool to even be bothered by it. You could have got deeper if you would have tried harder, you know? Yeah. The so loose shaka might be too cool for school a little bit. There was an, I mean, I'm sure your spreadsheet points it all out. So Yeah. There's also, um, you know, ethics and gen or you know, ethical background ethnic background sorry ethnic background and genetics are all factored into this because whole different rules for hawaiians than there are for everybody else right well yeah for sure i i don't think you should be doing it unless you're hawaiian but exactly. anyway, who cares what i think the thing that's interesting is that it's done around the world as this this uh, little news piece that i read i didn't get into that part of it but they're doing a documentary on it to, to help build momentum for the legislation. So they've done a documentary on the Shaka. And what's weird is like, you'll see like Russian soldiers invading Ukraine, like, going, like giving Shaka's <laughs> like, it's, it's, uh, I'm not so sure we want to, you know, the state of Hawaii wants to attach itself to this because it's, there's a lot of places where you see it and it's not, um, you know, you might not be too proud of it. Taxpayer dollars hard at work making documentaries about the Shaka. Speaking of documentaries, Stab in the Dark with Chloe and Dino, episode two, David. Uh, he tried out the Chili surfboard, the Channel Island surfboard, the Rusty surfboard, the JS, and the DHD. And he sends three of these ports packing, one to the surf repertoire, and one of them he absolutely loves. Give me your thoughts on uh, episode two with Chloe and Dino. Falls right in line with my assessment of episode one. It's fantastic. Again, editing is great. The narrator is great. The context they provided for each of the shapers is the perfect amount, especially the rusty little bit. You know, like the little context for rusty, I go, oh my God, that brand, that brand is epic and glorious. And I've forgotten how glorious they were and are and important their legacy is and all that sort of stuff. So I really love 
the um, production quality of it. What I also loved was Chloe and Dino's brutal honesty comes out of the gates. They edited it, it to deliver some of his biggest insults right in, before the opening credits, but he is zinging shapers left and right. Quote, the shaper was out of touch or quote, the worst board I've ever ridden. And it's like, it sounds mean, but it's not delivered with any spite. And knowing that it's blind, it's certainly not personal. And I think even the shapers who received those critiques aren't even offended by it. You know what I mean? Like they recognize this is one person's opinion on one specific surfboard and it's worth it for Kaloe to be able to speak freely and for us to just get his real, honest, accurate assessment on the board. It's worth it to take a barb like that. And it's very entertaining for me, the viewer. Yeah, no, you, you nailed it. Um, and it was one of those episodes too, where and it might just be Kolohe, but when you see him surf, you immediately go, oh, God, he doesn't like this board. He, I can tell he doesn't like this board. He, there's almost like little nuanced things where he, he like does a turn and it doesn't quite finish the way he anticipates it to finish. And you can see he kind of goes, you know, like he readjusts his foot on the deck somehow or something. He just does something where you're like, oh, I can tell he's not into that. And sure enough, he comes in and he's like, worst board ever. This board didn't feel right. I didn't never got speed that I wanted to get. Whatever his uh, criticism might have been. And then, of course, you see him ride a couple of boards that he loves, and you can tell right away, this guy loves this board. This board's working incredible for him. I'm sure he's going to come in and love this board. And, and that was the case. And um, for the but fans you know, who don't know, yeah, go ahead. You know what I felt about that, though, is like, let's be honest, Kaloe's surfing is so formulaic. He's an incredible surfer, but his approach, you know exactly what he's going to do. When he stands up on a wave and you see the wave lining up, you're like, oh, bottom turn to top turn. Okay, he's going to do a wrapping turn there. I see an end section. He's going to do an air reverse. Super formulaic and predictable, right? And so when you see him on the CI and the opening wave has a little chatter on it and he kind of is tentative off the bottom and it doesn't quite crack off the top like you would see him do on a normal on a different board, I'm thinking to myself, that board is slightly different than the board that he's used to writing and therefore and it's not as good for him and his you know whatever probably great for somebody else not as perfect for him because it's a slightly lesser quote unquote version of the board that he's used to writing he's going to write it off and hate it whereas the rusty he picks up and goes this thing is so freakish freakishly different it should be in the electric acid surfboard test but i'm going to take it out and give it a go then you watch him approach the wave totally different than his normal formula. The board wasn't just a degree difference like the Channel Islands was. It was 10 degrees difference. And so he starts surfing the wave differently. And I thought, I want to see more of that. I want to see Kaloe getting outside of the formulaic surfing I see him do all of the time just to find a board that's one degree of difference better than the one that he's you know used to riding. And I want to see him do something totally different. So I liked the Rusty. And I could see that it was bogging and it had the shortcomings that he identified. But I still almost liked seeing him ride that board more than seeing him ride what I'm used to seeing him ride. Yeah, interesting insights, right? Because it reminds me that, okay, well, look, um, maybe this the equation here is get a guy like Kolohe into the electric surfboard acid test. So he has to go out of his comfort zone and he's looking for stuff that might not be his normal formula, as you say. But unfortunately, we saw that with Sean Manners and it didn't work. 
And I think about Stab in the Dark, and I think I'd like to see Dave Rostovich in Stab in the Dark because, you know, here's a red-hot, ripping surfer who, by the way, rides high-performance surfboards really good, but is known for riding fishes and sort of, for lack of a better phrase, alternative craft. I think David would be a guy that would be good in Stab in the Dark because he's got the ability, but he's also going to go outside of the formula. Like, he's going he's gonna to drive the board in places that he normally didn't go. In some regards... I think what you're saying maybe is that are these shapers really just trying to do their best to replicate what Kolohe already loves? They don't know what they don't have a model that they're working off of. No, but I mean, it doesn't, isn't that kind of what you're saying? Like the closer they get to what Matt is making Kolohe, the better chance they have of winning. I, yeah. That argument could be made, you know, um, I mean, but that's not what's won in the past, I guess, you know, like they're doing a slightly different version of, I mean, realistically, there's certain common denominators in a pointy thruster that it needs to have that they're all hitting. So the differences are very, very subtle. Um, but I would argue, I don't want him to be the electric acid surfboard pilot. That's not what I was arguing. I think he's the perfect pilot for this. But what I would like to see is when he's not doing one of these things for him to ride some alternative shape just to see where his surfing might go. Well, in addition to that, what I'm what I'm also sensing is that, and this is what my sense was, was that, and this has been sort of a common hypercriticism of Stab in the Dark, is I think it would do justice to the shaper to give the surfer more time with each board. Totally. And maybe it's one episode per board in different waves. You know, they take some of these boards out on afternoon Karamas with some chop on it and he's tired and he just ate and he's burping up lunch and he might not be in his best mode. He hits, maybe catches eight waves. He's like, nope, hated it. You know, and it's kind of, and I'm not saying that he didn't, surf the board a lot more i don't know that's what the edit suggests it could be that he wrote the board a bunch and then they chose that for the edit yeah um but i think it would be beneficial to all and i ask you as a fan would you be okay with one board per episode i mean look i don't think i need 13 episodes of this i would just hope that they had a long enough production window that they were able to ride each of the boards in every variety of waves which I just don't think is realistic, you know? Um, and then maybe it gets edited to where we only see them in one style of waves for whatever reason. But I would like to think that, let's say they can go for- Well, that's what we saw. See, that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, we saw that. We saw that edit where he rode choppy high tide after lunch, burping up a burrito, um, you know, chunky Karamas. That's what they showed us. And I'm just going, well, I agree. is that fair? It'd be- Maybe in the edit, they're like, look, we rode this board in a bunch of different waves. Here's the four or five different places we surfed at different times in the day, different days. And then here's his here's his critique of the board. I think you're right. That board got short shrift in that case, and he did not ride it in a variety of conditions. They showed us exactly what they had. Uh, I think it's a constraint of the production time and having 13 surfboards, you know. But I think that they also, their answer to that would be, Kaloe's as astute as possible. Like he can get one wave on this board and extrapolate that experience out to how it would perform in other waves. Yeah, I think that's true too. But well, we love it. We love Stab in the Dark. I can't wait. I think the episode three drops on the 20th, I think. Is that's I correct. Yes. 
So, um, boy, that'll be the day, the final day of the WSL at Sunset Beach. Oh, okay. Big day. Well, yeah. look, so far in the finals, Pukas and DHD, he has not surfed the Timmy Patterson or the Hayden shape yet. So that'll probably be in episode three. And then, like you said, still needing more testing are the Borst, the Pizel, and the JS. And I don't know if you actually- I'm telling you, Hayden, you shapes, Hayden Shapes wins this thing. So that's interesting. Okay, so going back we know to that conversation. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Set it up because Channel Islands. Right, we forgot that, right? So episode one at the opening, he says, he's on that phone call we've discussed over the last two episodes. And he says, it's a blowout. And his father's reaction is that of surprise. And so you stated the Hayden Shapes would be a very big surprise because they have not performed well in this in the past. I thought what he said is you won't believe this. Right. Yeah. You won't believe this, dad. And then, yeah. So that's where I'm like, oh, if you don't believe it, you wouldn't believe that it was a, that it's not one of the normal and then a listener a listener called in last week and said he said it's a blowout which would indicate channel islands because they've won three out of these in the past so a fourth would be a huge you know but channel islands got knocked out of the competition in this week so we need to re-update you're sticking with channel with uh hayden shapes i like where you're going with that i don't disagree my thought was did dino and dino ride timmy patterson's through his career I know he rode McElroy's. I mean, he probably rode a bunch of different boards, but I know he was on McElroy's and I'm sure he, I'm sure at some point he rode Timmy's boards. I wouldn't For some him. reason, I have it in my mind that he, he was riding Patterson. So then I thought, well, that would be interesting. You're not, not going to believe this, dad. Your shaper won, oh. you know, but what I have identified after going over this for three weeks now is he does not know what a blowout means. <laughs> Very much. That could be it. That that could solve the mystery here, but we'll see. Um, I mean, Borst and Hayden Shapes would be the ones where you're like, that's kind of a little bit more left field based on who's left. Pukas has been in the finals many times and um, JS and of course, DHD. Apparently, if he could, he would crown the DHD the winner today. He, he absolutely loved that board and it looked like it. Dude, it looked fantastic. And it was, by the way, the made from the same exact file that Ethan Ewing's board was made for his finals day performance at lowers, which was scintillating, you yeah. know? Yeah. So there's an adjustment. I think the tail was rounded on Kaloe's model, but it's the same file. Um, but I'm excited by the way, you, I don't know if you were just using Dave Rostovich as an example, but he is the official electric acid surfboard pilot. Yeah, cool. No, I think we did discuss that last time, but I was just thinking for Stab in the Dark, he'd be great too, um, based on his surfing ability. Right. But he's a phenomenal pick for the electric acid surfboard test. Yeah. So exciting stuff. Congratulations on Stab uh, or to Stab. And I was going to say my must-see moment, obviously there's been a couple of heroic waves surfed in the pipe event, which I could point to. I think people have all seen those if you've been on Instagram at all. So I'm going to say I've had a number of listeners chime in saying that they didn't re-up on their Stab premium subscription. You know, Mm. they'll be like, hey, can you, what did they say about this article that they're advertising on Instagram? Because I didn't re-up my subscription. I'm just curious what the, I'm saying the electric acid surfboard test, or I'm sorry, the Stab in the Dark test is must see surf content so re-up on that subscription it's worth 
the price to watch the stab in the dark. Well, and you mentioned Dave doing the East electric acid surport test. Totally. So there you go. Like those two things in and of themselves are incredible. And um, must see, I would yeah. say must see moment brought to you, by the way, by trees wax, which is oh, surfboard yeah. wax that is petroleum free made from trees and rocks, believe it or not. And it works every bit as good. Actually, I've got a tree wax right here. Sustainable, right. sustainable, high performance surf wax, sticky, gooey, keeps you where you need to be and uh, great for the environment. So tip of the cap to trees wax. I'll also say just as a, in a must-see segment here, um, I want to shout out and thanks to our YouTube viewers. We don't get a ton of uh, views on YouTube, far fewer than we get on the podcast audio version. But I saw a couple of comments in the last week or two that were saying, saying stuff like, can't believe you guys have been doing this for 10 years. Really appreciate your insights. Really appreciate the um, banter. And I'm so glad that I found you. And so I'm like, holy cow, dude. It's just accessing a different audience. You know, YouTube just accesses. There's people who like surfing but would never listen to a podcast, essentially, for whatever reason. But they do watch YouTube. Everybody watches YouTube. And so the fact that we were able to find – they were able to find us there, I appreciate yeah. that. So shout out to our YouTube fans. Absolutely. Thanks for watching and listening. And and um, there's a bunch of great content out there, and we're glad to be uh, part of your choice. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, me too. All right, well, look. We have to go to dinner. So uh, look, until next time, David, adios and aloha. Early bird special, huh? The blue light, the blue plate special, the blue light special. <laughs> I can see her lying back in her satin dress In a room where you do what you don't confess Sundown, you better take care If I find you've been creeping around my backstairs Sundown, you better take care
Some 